one way that we could describe it is a brain orgasm. It's a mega blast of energy sensation and information. And that is what breathwork can do. So you give yourself a tool like that with the right supervision, guidance and support. And you can access emotions that you've buried for a lifetime. You can access intuition that is profoundly helpful. Hi, my name is Aggie and this is Biohacking Bestie. The one-stop shop for a modern queen where you can find biohacking courses, self-growth courses, and where you can find the most incredible community of women so you can hit all of your biohacking goals and beyond. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Another episode of Biohacking Bestie. And today my guest is Hella Weston, my dear friend, who's a total badass a breathwork teacher, as well as uh, one of the co-founders of Awaken Breathwork. Welcome, Hella. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to be here, uh, for you to be here. Um, and you are also, one thing I didn't mention is that you're one of the teachers of my, uh, and one of my challenges fit as fuck. And uh, you have taught my students how to release trauma uh, through breath. So thank you for, for that. People loved you. Aw, I love being a part of it. Anything that we can do co-creating together, I enjoy. I'm excited to be here. I feel like we telepathically synced up, got the ping yeah. on. We did. <laughs> we did get the memo. Already. Oh, so good. So I often oh got so many things I want to t- uh, talk to you about. But number one is how do you navigate in a world that probably has some preconceived idea of who you are? Because I think just looking at you, right? Like um, I was just realizing you're wearing pink. You're like having tattoos, you're a badass, you're also super conscious. And I'm sure as people like even watching this, um, they have this idea of who you might be or you might not be. And how do you navigate in a world that is so quick to judge uh, you for who you are or for just because the way you look? Oh, I love that. Uh, Well, I think the beauty of the times that we're in right now is that social media is exposing us to so many different types of people. And I remember when I first got into my career, I did feel very isolated and like a complete weirdo. I couldn't see anybody that was like me. I would go to workshops, seminars, different trainings, and most people would be like 20 or 30 years older than me. And... That was just one part of it, right? Like the age thing, the stage of life. But then there's things like how you dress, your style, your self-expression, your taste in music, your history, whatever. And personally, I believe that right now there are people from so many different diverse walks of life who are needed to be in service. And that's how I perceive my role in the collective awakening, if we want to call it that. And I know my partner as well, he's also very tattooed. And it's one of the first things people often say, like, wow, I did not expect you to be this softly spoken, gentle, kind soul. I think both of you really come across, like, if I just saw a photo of you, I'd be like, oh, yo, like, they're probably just into some sort of, like, hardcore things. (laughs) And you're one of the kindest, sweetest people that make each other, like, uh, cacao in the morning and hold hands and, like, sprinkle like rose petals (laughs) and I'm like I can't think of anything sweeter than the two of you so I think it's just like do you feel like you need to prove to people that you're not who they think you are do you think that this you just don't give a shit like yeah it's it's all mindset and I have gone through stages of feeling self-conscious and like I didn't belong and like I was the odd one out and all of that stuff which is painful and scary and typically it just makes you shrink right that definitely is what happened for me I was like I can't do this and I lost Mm -hmm. that belief in myself when I was identified with being a chameleon so what I found is that being unique is actually a superpower it is an opportunity for you to connect with people who resonate with you and instead of just preaching to the choir like for me personally I found that with spirituality there are so many people who dress the same and talk the same and go to the yeah. same cafes and listen to the same type of music. And I feel like we could reach so many more people 
if there were more diverse representatives Ooh, beautiful. of the message. And so Lucas and I, that's my partner, Lucas, that's how we operate. We're here to reach people who, if we weren't spiritual or conscious or into wellness or whatever you want to call it, we would be hanging out with creatives, musicians, and artists. And so we now use that aspect of ourselves to resonate with those people and help them with something that they might not otherwise be exposed to. So we're all multifaceted. And I think, um, I hope at least that I can be a permission slip for others to get out of this mindset that in order to be into one thing, you have to be all in on that identity. And I think yeah. when we started this podcast, you and I were speaking about how you're so glamorous and I just love that about you. And I was just... You thinking, called me out on it a couple of weeks ago during dinner. You're like, oh, I love when I always... Yeah. I feel so torn because I'm like, right now, like this podcast, I want to be treated seriously. So should I dress like in a way that's more, I don't know, low key, but there's a part of me that wants to feel fabulous right now. Right, just break out of the mold and, and see who you attract. Yeah. And again, I was saying to you that with biohacking, you know, we could make the assumption like, okay, who do I think... Aggie would be if I didn't know her and I knew she had a biohacking podcast and I would probably assume that you're going to be wearing a little gym outfit and have your drinks and your orange glasses on <laughs> you know they're on in the evening but yeah identity right and yeah you can do the things just like I can go fully into my wide dress from caravana <laughs> exactly into that zone like she's in there but I'm not going to be that version of me 24-7 because I'm more than that and so are you. Yeah, but the box is so small. And I think it's like one of the things that about biohacking bestie that like I was like, well, people are going to think like, first of all, there aren't enough women in the biohacking space. But biohacking is so much broader than just like, oh, you know, wear yellow grass glasses and wear your aura ring. Biohacking is breath work, how, like mindset, like None of the biohacking shit works if you feel terrible about yourself because it's all psychosomatic and it's all a placebo technically because it's like we manifest so many things and unprocessed emotions. So in, it is all connected, but it's also like biohacking, what I always say to women is t uh, giving yourself permission to take full responsibility of your life and just stop looking and trying to fit a box that it's not exactly you. And so... First of all, thank you for being such a good friend and always like celebrating me for who I am and not just saying, Aggie, if you were spiritual, I don't think you, you would be wearing your fancy shoes or whatever it might be. You're just like, I fucking love it that you do you. And it's, yeah, it's so nice to have a friend like Britching. Yeah. And the box is so small. So like, if you give, like, if you don't fit into a box and I love that you don't, every time I see you, I'm like, she just fucking does her. Like, I, I feel super inspired. I love that you're feminine you're a badass you're a badass entrepreneur like your company is blowing up like I'm so proud of it like you guys have so many students joining your awakened breathwork practices and advanced training for uh for facilitators yeah yeah we've been training facilitators we have our app there's a lot of things going on thank you I really appreciate that I hope that people can also feel the sincerity of the love between us it's <laughs> like fanning on each other all the time in the best way and it's um it's just beautiful to be able to see each other rise and to your point about biohacking I agree one thing that I love about you that I witness that is like a testament to everything that you do to fill up your cup to have maximum life force energy pumping through you on a daily basis is just how fully you live and I think sometimes with just following this topic of um allowing inner work or biohacking or wellness or whatever is it is to become an identity I think sometimes mm -hmm. we forget why we're doing it in the first place yeah like it's not just about doing this inner work for life for the sake of it it's so that we can live a richer more healthy happy vibrant like x factor yeah, kind of life become, the biohacking has become the way yeah and the life is sort of like no you just do it so you have more energy to do shit you want to do like you don't do biohacking as like the end goal you can obviously but the goal is to like to experience life to taste it to travel to say fuck it to all the biohacking rules and eat all the pizza and really enjoy it you know instead of just like being so rigid in it because it's like it's just very masculine i think biohacking is very masculine it's like you know two plus two equals four so like if i have three and a half hours of my REM sleep then i should definitely ramp up my you know 
my workouts today or whatever it might be instead of just like the feminine energy of like okay this is very helpful thank you my aura ring I'm actually just gonna disregard all of this and do whatever the hell I want because it feels like my life force energy can override all of it because I feel so aligned with what I do like I do right now that I have the energy for it Hey biohackers, so in my never-ending quest for all things biohacking, I stumble across this gem, Armra Colostrum. Sounds fancy, right? Well, let me break it down for you. Ever heard of Colostrum? It's basically nature's welcome gift when we come into this world loaded with all the good stuff our body needs. Now, Armra has taken this and turned it into a super-packed concentrate. We're talking 400 plus living bioactive nutrients, with all of the gold to rejuvenate and fortify your body. And the results people are raving about, glower skin, lash hair, top-notch gut health, and that glower skin, lash hair, rebuilt gut, and even the extra kick for workout sessions. And the cool part, Armra is all about the quality. They're getting their colostrum from happy, grass-fed cows right here in the US. And instead of the usual zap it with heat method, they're using this slick cold chain biopotent technology. It's just a fancy way of saying that they keep all the good stuff intact. Oh, and they're certified glyphosate free and big on third-party testing. So thumbs up for that. And for the gut health warriors, well, imagine being lighter with none of that pesky bloating. You get 15% off your first order. Just swing by www.tryarmra.com aggie and drop the code aggie at checkout. That's T-R-Y a-R-M-R-A dot com slash Aggie. And a little pro tip, Armra's best enjoy with cold drinks, foods, or straight up as a dry scoop, which is basically what I do. I just put it at the bottom of my tongue and it is actually delicious. So enjoy Armra and back to the episode. Anyways, I when we first met, uh, it was through a mutual friend, Ryan Louis, mutual friends, and you offered to get me high without drugs. This is true. And I was like, all right, well, that's a cheap man's version of getting high. Let's do it. And so um, it was an hour and a half of breathwork uh, session. And you said things like, okay, be careful. A lot of trauma might come up. You might have like hands, like just like you might not feel your hands. And I was like, girl, I've been breathing for 32 years. I'll be good. And then within 30 or 40 minutes of intense breathing, a lot of things came up. I could not move my hands. I got T-Rex hands and I just basically looked like this on the yeah. floor. And I felt like it was definitely very similar to like my ayahuasca journey where I had a lot of like trauma come up and you were such a loving angel that showed up like, hey, how are you doing so well? And like, oh, I'm doing so well. So you just like had me in tears. It's beautiful. Like you have incredible talent to holding space in, in a moment like this both of you even though like you might be looking spirit but you're like the sweetest people to do it so how to get high without all the drugs <laughs> yeah oh, no, so what eddie is speaking about is awakened breath work and we guide people through these journeys and typically it is about an hour to an hour and a half plus the instruction and then the integration time so usually it's a few hours that we're spending with our clients and essentially we're we're modifying the breathing pattern to induce a non-ordinary state of consciousness. Okay, so what is that? Okay, so if we, to keep it really simple, one way I like to think of it is in your daily life when you are sober, you're, you've had a good sleep, you're going about your life, you are in what we would call your kind of baseline, ordinary state of consciousness. That's how you perceive reality in your day-to-day -day life. Like someone watching this podcast right now is that's the state in an you're ordinary in. state of consciousness most likely. <laughs> And then when we say drink a coffee, we know that feeling of suddenly starting to feel a little different mm -hmm. and it might creep up on us <laughs> gradually. It might come on really strong, really quickly, but we can acknowledge that even though we're still here and it's still us, we feel different. Mm -hmm. The same could be with alcohol, right? Mm -hmm. You suddenly start to feel, oh, I'm buzzing. It's yep. a little different. I'm buzzing. Exactly. There's a little high or a buzz coming on. And so we can do the same in its own unique way with breathing. And in our We're daily lives. Without extra oxygen and any other tools. Right. So in our daily lives, we're breathing typically in and out through the nose. And that is what I would recommend to everyone. Um, 
if you're into biohacking, if you're researching breath at all, you will see that breathing in and out of your nose is important. And, and that most people actually don't breathe through their nose. As you notice, a lot of people breathe in and out of the mouth unconsciously throughout the day and also during sleep. And this is an important thing to address if you notice it within yourself or your partner, for example. I know. That, so just to like, because it would be worth to stop for a second before you go any yeah. further. What would be the sign? Like, what are the disadvantages of not uh, breathing through your nose, right? So what would be? I mean, as a baseline starting point, it reduces your immune system health. It can make you tired. It's not good for your facial structure. There's so many ways yeah. that it's not good for you. It's also going to spike your stress levels. More and in front of yeah. Yeah, so um, a lot of people who mouth breathe unconsciously in their daily lives, they will experience more stress and anxiety and not That's know right. that it's connected to their breathing. And I, if like that the shallow breath, it's it keeps us in a sympathetic nervous system state. And so when I read this book, Breath, you know, um, I immediately like, like, I'm sure that people after watching this conversation got to like notice, wait, am I breathing through my nose or through my mouth? And you realize how often you keep your mouth open, especially at the gym. Or especially when you get excited or whatever. And then like, I remember with Jacob, I started closing his mouth. I'm like, I see your mouth open. I see everyone's mouth open. So pay attention now. After yeah. this interview, you'll see how many people leave their mouth open and actually breathe through their mouth, which is really interesting. It really is. I mean, that is a whole conversation in and of itself. And something I would just recommend for anybody if they notice it is try wearing mouth tape. Um, you can, if you want to just test it out, you can get, a roll of medical tape you probably have one in your first aid kit and just put you know a cross <laughs> yeah. over your mouth or a strip if you want try it uh, while you sleep and just see how it feels it shouldn't bother you too much and actually it should improve your sleep quality it does for me yeah. which was a sign from like should maybe i do sleep with my mouth open especially if we sleep on a side like a little bit it can help with snoring as well like there's a lot of different benefits Anyways, and then in your daily life, when you're working out, just practice closing your mouth, you know, while you're working out. I know that for a lot of us, for example, I was on the treadmill this morning and I still notice that I can go into that yeah, same. where I start kind of gasping for air and breathing through my mouth. And so when you train yourself to just close it down and breathe through your nose, it will improve your respiratory health overall. So just want to put that there. I recommend yeah. that as a practice. But then when you do awaken breath work, you actually breathe in and in, in and out through your mouth. We do. So we we do and it depends. Mm -hmm. In our daily practices, we typically recommend that people breathe in through the nose and out through the mouth. And we describe this form of breathing as activation breath work. Mm -hmm. Activation breath work is where we're starting to stimulate the sympathetic nervous system. And so we can do it through nasal breathing with more effort. So if you're breathing right in your daily life, you're breathing fairly softly. You probably don't even hear it. But when we go into a short practice, for example, we have one called Awaken Daily, which is five minutes. And during that practice, if we're doing nasal breathing, we'll be going. Wow. So the way you breathe is very impressive, actually, because you. I realized that I used to, like, when someone said, take a deep breath, I would do. And then I realized it's actually never through my stomach. So now I make sure that I expand my diaphragm. Yeah. And we and want the breath to be even expanding out to the sides, like more horizontally than, than up. Or yeah, I was up like, here. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh, actually, that's not how you're supposed to breathe. So you taught me so many beautiful things about breath, actually. Oh, good. Little, little nuggets can be yeah. a long way, right? So we can do the activation breathing to start to stimulate that sympathetic response with the nose. And why would we do that? Some people will be like, why would I want to be in a sympathetic yeah. state when yeah, I could be in parasympathetic all the time? Like, isn't that the goal? And no, I mean, you talk about this a lot in your challenges, which I love. Understanding that small doses of controlled stress are healthy for us. And so we can work with the breath by modifying the intensity to activate energy. And this can be good for pre-workout. It can be good for before a meeting where you want to be sharp. You want to be on. You want that like laser vision and sharp thinking. Do the activation breath work. And then uh, in the journeys as well, we take it a step further and we go into breathing in and out of the mouth. 
Mm -hmm. And that is going to temporarily also induce a sympathetic response. But what I would kind of describe or encourage people to visualize here is that we need to climb a mountain and we need to hike and put in a lot of energy to get to a peak state, which is this non-ordinary state of consciousness that I'm describing. And in that peak state with the right guidance, this is where set and setting comes in. You need to be supervised by someone who actually understands what they're doing, not just like doing this for fun. When we get to that peak state, then emotions and sensations can start to arise out of the subconscious, out of the body that we're not aware of in our daily waking state. And we can transform and discharge energy that's no longer serving us. So going through that sympathetic peak then allows us to address what hasn't been addressed. And then we come down the other side and we guide our clients back into a parasympathetic state where the integration takes place. So for a lot of people, they've gone through, I mean, I know you have, and I know I have as well. We've gone through things in our lives where we haven't felt safe. And not only have we not felt safe environmentally to process our emotions and to speak our truth, but we haven't felt safe to actually go into the feeling, acknowledge it, process it, and let it go. And so instead, we hold on to these things and they develop over years into tension, into like coping strategies, ways of filtering ourselves and kind of modifying our behavior that aren't authentic. And also so many, um, like, I believe like, you know, gut feeling is really correlated to safety and what I believe in. And like, for example, SIBO is is very much, which is like, you have like a prolonged constipation with uh, intestinal methane overgrowth and where you can't go to the bathroom. And I remember when I like sitting in an eye ceremony and I'm going through that and She's like, well, you can't, you feel so scared that you hold on to your own shit. I'm like, no, 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 I get it. And she's like, it's literally, <laughs> and also like, I love that you're saying this right now. <laughs> because you really, it's a feeling of safety, constipation to me. It's like, I don't feel safe to let go. And it, as crazy as it sounds, I really, really believe that something as simple as going to the bathroom is so correlated to a feeling of safety. And if we do feel safe you are able to let go, right? So you create this like rigid body and the more you relax, and I love that you said that in my course that you just, you said that the moment you started breathing, you stopped having gut issues, bloating and whatever, because you released all that tension from your body that you thought was related to biology, where in fact it was related to unprocessed emotions. It's like what comes first, the chicken or the egg, you know? We can develop these things and then go, oh, no, it's because of the bacteria overgrowth. But where did that begin? Yeah, why do you create an environment for yeah. Yeah. that? Yeah, I love that you brought that up. And also it reminds me of, you know, anyone who experiences constipation feeling blocked up. I know I experience that a lot. And it's just as you said, it's when I feel I don't feel safe, when I feel on edge, when I feel traveling, you and environment. Yeah. Yes. Traveling. Oh my gosh. When I went to India and like Southeast Asia, I felt the most on edge and uncomfortable and it showed in my digestion and breath work can help enormously with that. What we, I love that we're talking about this. You said no topic, nothing off topic. Here we are. I'll just look about poop. Okay. (laughs) But one of the most beautiful things about breathing and connecting to your breath is your breath massages your organs Mm, wow it's all connected and so by understanding that when you aren't relaxed you typically will find that you'll breathe more shallow which is going to be up here in the upper part of the lungs and the chest it's not allowing that movement to happen down through the diaphragm which is like a balloon but also we constantly suck in our bellies as girls because we feel like we want to be skinny so we're constantly just walking like this i find myself whenever i do breath work that I realized, I'm like, oh, I actually was sucking in my belly because it's such a habit for me right now mm-hmm. that I barely ever just sit like this, you know, just like. Bleh. I saw this in actually in a fitness forum last week. A woman was suggesting like never breathe into your belly and you want to always have your abdominal muscles engaged if you want to remain tight in your core. And and you're like, as a breathwork teacher, like really oh. bad advice. I mean, sure, work on your core strength, absolutely. And engage those abs, baby, whenever it serves you. 
But when you do your breathwork practice, please allow your belly to relax and go soft and know that it is okay. Like you're a normal human if your belly expands every time you inhale. It's also connected to how you sing. So I started singing classes and, you know, and my singing teacher's like, oh, you need to breathe through your belly because that's where the sound is. And it's like they're different sound that comes from here, different that comes from here and different that comes from here. And so it's part of your self-expression to be able to let the air into your belly, right? So so many things as women that we don't realize we it's perpetuated by the culture that we live in because we have to have our stomach like, you know, sucked in and, and whatnot. And I I love that you said that like about massage, that breath is like a massage. So like instead of going to like, you know, massage, you know, whatever the place massage places are, just realizing that, wow, if my belly isn't doing well, maybe the fatter drainage is great for you. Or maybe you just need to breathe. Because I notice that a lot of times my stomach just feels tense, especially when I'm stressed. Yeah. So that leads me into speaking about restorative breathing. And this is a good time to introduce it. So activation breathing is where we spike Mm -hmm. that sympathetic response. We can go into a peak and then we can come down. Another style of breath work that we teach is called restorative breathing. And that's where we breathe deeply in and out of the nose and we extend the exhale. Mm -hmm. And instead of kind of aggressively inhaling, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. we're going for slow and steady. Okay. So like like this? Exactly. Exactly. So breathing in slowly and we could do, let's say, you could start with a count of six and then you could exhale for eight. And just trying that simple pattern of slow, mindful breathing in for six and out for eight seconds, it will start to relax your body and then you can start to track where in your abdominal cavity where you can feel in your torso that your breath is expanding and contracting. And so something that I recommend that people do when I'm guiding restorative breath work is to start with holding around the front here, holding Mm -hmm. the belly, like around your navel and here kind of around your mid chest and try just breathing in. Notice the feeling and out. If you've never done breath work before or you've never actually observed your own breath, one of the things that I find pretty common is as soon as we bring attention to it, we're like, I don't know how to breathe anymore. (laughs) And some people will um, try to push their belly out while they're exhaling, like not knowing what goes when. So if we just think about this for a moment, slowly in, we're filling up the balloon with air. Mm-hmm. slowly out we're letting it go and just that simple practice starting at the front then you can go to the sides holding the sides of the ribs oh yeah feel that expansion and contraction yeah and we want to feel that movement everywhere and this is where also if you notice that your breath is constricted or shallow in any way you can get body work especially diaphragmatic release Um, You can go to an osteopath or if there's a body worker that is comfortable getting in there, you can get right up in the diaphragm and start working on the fascia to release a lot of the tension that's up in there and open up the breath more. And then as a result, more relaxation. That's so beautiful. Safety. Okay. So you keep referring to, to your work as we. And I know you've been in a very happy relationship for the last 15 years, which sounds wild for today's standards. And not only that, you are together, you actually are so loving, so supportive. And so it's easy to do that for the next, for the first year or two or three or four. But I imagine it gets a little harder, especially in our environment of creatives and people that are in a lot of open relationships and, you know, get to change their partners every now and then so my question is how (laughs) how will be the way (laughs) teach me please okay what's your story what is my story okay so lucas and i met when i was 15 years old well would you believe i had a fake id (laughs) (laughs) 
and we met at a nightclub and we just became friends in New Zealand by the way yeah in New Zealand we became friends there was nothing romantic about it we became like best buddies and he and I were like we just got each other on a different level it was as if for the first time I found someone who was as weird as me and as curious about life like who are we why are we here where did we come from these were the kind of questions that we just wanted to ask all the time and like would go into all sorts of trippy topics so we developed a friendship and then fast forward we got together when I was 17 and I think this is important because we started with a friendship Mm -hmm. and I felt safe with him before we went into romance and I'm not saying that that's the only way to do things but if you can recognize that you genuinely like them as a person and there's substance in your dynamic you would want to hang out with them whether you were romantically involved or not I do think you have a strong foundation for a happier relationship and a deeper relationship so we were like party animals back then you know we 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 would go clubbing every week. We loved music, culture, art. He was a tattoo artist. I was working in the fashion industry. Oh, so that's where all the tattoos are from. Exactly. (laughs) They are. He did them. And that was our world back then. But on the side, I remember one of the first things that we did, we would go out on a Saturday night and then on Sundays we would walk to the public library and we would go and hire personal development books. And I remember we got Eckhart Tolle and James Redfield books, Marianne Williamson. Whatever we felt drawn to, we would read and then we would encourage each other to read and we'd share what we were learning. Oh, like a little book club. Exactly. Is there one book that you can remember from that moment that was like, oh, that definitely like got us really inspired that maybe there's something more out there for us? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely Eckhart Tolle. We read The Power of Now. The Power of Now and A New Earth. We read those books, I think, about 20 times. Wow. That was like our Bible. And we were just hungry for truth. And we got into... That's a tweetable. (laughs) Yeah. We got really into more esoteric spirituality and exploring. We would watch a lot. This was like the beginning, I think, of YouTube. Wow. We're, We're that OG. (laughs) yeah we would watch a lot of youtube videos and fast forward we were together for i think about seven years when i no we're not married okay oh you're not married at all nope oh i always think of you as yeah most people do think we're married i can talk about that if you want to know yeah yeah um but yeah around the seven year mark i remember i had heard about breathwork i was I had already shifted my career into coaching and I was doing energy work, like energy medicine. And I heard about breathwork from a client of mine and they said, you would love it. You should try it. So we went to Bali for a holiday and I saw this poster for a breathwork workshop. And I was like, we need to go to that. I've heard of it. We need to try it. Lucas was like, I do not need to go to that workshop. I know how to breathe. I'm good. Sounds like every single person. Yeah. He was like, it sounds ridiculous and I'm definitely not going. To the point where the workshop was actually really close to starting and he was so stubbornly refusing to go that I yelled at him and I was like, get on the bike, drive us, we're going. And we just slipped in the door of this workshop right as they were closing it. That workshop changed everything. Up until that point, I had been doing a lot of mental work with mm-hmm. my personal growth. And I think because it's reading and like, very heady, right? Like exactly. Reading, writing, like thinking about how to be better, thinking about the past and what happened to you, thinking about who you want to be, mm-hmm. all like a lot up in the head. And, you know, energy work wasn't so much heady, but where it was missing was... I wanted proof. So I would be doing energy work and learning different methods and go, is this even working? Like, is this legit or is this a complete fluffy BS waste of time? Mm -hmm. And 
I always think that we should be discerning and put everything to the test. Don't just blindly believe in something yeah. because it sounds lovely. So when we did breath work, I felt within 10, 15 minutes, myself blast my consciousness open, basically. So I touched on this term, non-ordinary state of consciousness before. Essentially, what I understand it as now is when we do breath work in this way, we start to experience a shift in our brainwave activity. And so in our daily lives, you know, we're in that beta brainwave. We're analytical. We're logical. We're like, could you explain all the brainwaves for people? Because yeah. there's some these machines, you know, that binaural beads that help you like change your brainwave. So if you can walk us through. Yeah, yeah of course. So that's beta brainwave mm -hmm. when we're in our daily waking consciousness. And as we go into the breathing patterns, and there's different breathing patterns that can get you there, but in particular, this activation breath, which is circular, it's mm -hmm. conscious connected. So it's fully in and out, like no pause between mm -hmm. the inhale or the exhale. And you're just doing it continually. Eventually, what starts to happen is your brainwaves shift from beta into uh, alpha brainwave, which is more of a relaxed, open kind of meditative state. Mm -hmm. From there, you can go further into theta. And theta is more like a daydream where you can access visualization, sensation, and emotion at a much more heightened level. And it's easier to focus inward without having the distractions of the outer world take you away from the experience. So another way that we can access theta is through hypnotherapy. I was going to say, because it's really reached, you're in your subconscious and unconscious exactly. part of your mind. So. And if we think about it like volume dials, when you close down your eyes and you start to access theta brain waves, I feel that it's like turning down the volume on the outside world mm. and turning up the volume on everything that's going on inside. So from there, it can go further into delta. Delta is more of a sleep-like state where there can be a lot of subconscious activity going on. Um, so when someone's in Delta, they can kind of look like they're asleep, but there, mm -hmm. there's things happening. Um, from there, it can go a step further into Gamma. Gamma is a brainwave state that has been observed within monks who are extremely advanced in their meditation practices and reaching what we would call enlightenment. Wow. And it is like a... Okay, I think of it like a power hose of information versus a drip or a, a steady, gentle stream of a tap. When you're in gamma, it is all happening. It is like a mega blast of, of data and information. Wow. And as human beings. Is it like the Kundalini awakening exactly. would be that? Yeah. Right. Like source, God, energy, whatever we want to call it. There is a lot of information that is available to us within this reality. And our brains have the ability to filter and um, organize that so that we don't get overwhelmed. When you go into a gamma wave state, you're able to process at an exponentially higher speed. Wow. But it can also be extremely overwhelming. Uh, so the other practice that I've seen help people to access gamma waves in a safe and controlled setting is Dr. Joe Dispenza's work mm -hmm. in his uh, retreat. Or... As Emily Fletcher says, the the sex magic as well. Yes, yeah. my question to you was, can people experience an energetical orgasm during your work, especially when they're in that like? Absolutely, yes, yes, we see it all the time. Uh, people are crying, having an <laughs> orgasm. You're like, I love my job. This is great. <laughs> yeah, it's not uncommon for someone in our workshop to describe having a twenty to thirty minute orgasm. And it's not because it's energetic. Touch for everyone yeah. listening, they're not doing anything to themselves, it or you're is, not doing anything to them. It is exactly it's energy moving within the body mind system, and uh, one way that we could describe it is a brain orgasm. It's a mega blast of energy, sensation, and information, and that is what breathwork can do. So you give yourself a tool like that with the right supervision, guidance, and support. 
and you can access emotions that you've buried for a lifetime. You can access intuition that is profoundly helpful. Beautiful. Especially that so many women have no idea what to do with their life. Yeah. They can't hear the voice of intuition. They're like, how do I know if it's intuition? It doesn't come from our heads, right? And, you know, I have a higher self academy, which is like how to connect with your higher self. And it really is that like, you know, everything. You don't need Aggie. You don't need hell. You don't need anybody. You know all the answers. You don't need any biohacking. Like, you know what to do with your life. And it's your intuition. And it will know better than anybody on the planet. And if someone tells you otherwise, that they're bullshitting you. So you know that. But it's how do you find that voice after, you know, the society disconnecting us from it our entire lives? You know, it comes from like you're three years old and you're like, I'm not hungry. And mom's like, it doesn't matter if you're hungry, you should eat. And so you do all these things that are not fully aligned with how you feel. And then you're really confused about like what you, the shoots are so loud. That the the what I need, I want, I I I know I am capable of just becomes more and more quiet. Yeah. So okay, this is where I want to come full circle. I went pretty deep on the tangent there, but you asked me about relationships. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're oh, I'm mean, definitely like, coming back because the you're... brain waves, the non-ordinary state. So just to like make sure that everyone knows we're still on track. There's a, <laughs> yeah, there's a method to this. So um, you're seven years into the relationship. You're in Bali. You drug, scream, and Lucas. Like, okay, we need to go on this. Yeah, and we did it. And I blasted open into full feeling. And I could see so many of the ways that all of this mindset work that I was doing was actually like a band-aid. I was trying to develop a way of being that was like a layer on top of my authentic feeling. And, you know, what I actually believed about myself. So I'm sure some of the listeners can relate to this where you're like, I don't love myself. How do I act like I love myself? Or how do I convince myself that I do love myself? Even though I still actually don't really love myself. Exactly. And so I just had gotten really good at that. I was like a master of changing my state, changing my thoughts. No convincing myself to focus on something else, go toward the good feelings, all of that. And when I was in this breathwork journey, I got really humbled because all that was there was the truth. Mm. And when your conscious mind kind of steps aside and you're in a non-ordinary state, the truth is there. It's obvious. It's unfiltered and you have to be with it. And Green. knowing, it's not like, oh, I think it's right. You you know, it feels right. Yeah. And the truth feels right. It doesn't, looks right. Yeah. Or like, yeah. It's like becoming spiritually and emotionally naked. And mm, I love that comparison. <laughs> <laughs> Especially with that. And then visual. in that state, I was able to also see myself through the eyes of a love that I hadn't been able to access before it's you know when I was saying about energy medicine where you know there's something to this but I can't quite grasp it in a tangible way and so I'm not a hundred percent sure it's working Mm -hmm. when I was in that non-ordinary state of consciousness I had a direct experience that I would call God or a higher intelligence and that was such a pure love all of the judgments that I had about myself, all of the ways that I was trying to be better, trying so freaking hard to be the best version of me. It was like all of it was just being washed and cleansed with love. Oh, one breath at a time. I, I'm like really worried where you're going with this in terms of your relationship not working out. <laughs> I was like, so, okay, fast forward. Um, I'll say that Lucas had an equally profound experience in a different way. And we both got up and we were like, that was a game changer. We need to study this and share it with other people. And so that's exactly what we ended up doing. And we created our business together. And that was, which is usually like a a big flag for a lot of relationships never work together. Yes. Yes. That was really big for us, especially when you've been together for years and you have a set dynamic and then going into working together, it was a big adjustment. Um, what I noticed for us is that the breath work 
was actually the thing that made the business survive. Because every time we hit a road bump, every time we would get resentful or frustrated with each other, we would turn to our breathwork practice and bring that pain and frustration there. And then it would give us a way to firstly meet the feelings within ourselves and get clear, like, what is it I'm actually feeling? Because I've been noticing I'm irritable and I'm snappy, but I don't really know why. So then we go into the breath work and it's like, oh, it's because I feel like I'm doing more than you or I feel like I want support with this and I haven't actually been asking for it or we need to set these boundaries. And so we would do these journeys together and then we would have, we would talk, you know, it's simple one-on-one relationship advice. Communication is everything. But if you don't even know how you feel, how can you effectively communicate? Yeah, it's a big one, especially, right? Because it's like, at the end of the day, it's like, how do you feel? And so a lot of people are like, I don't know. I don't know what I want. I don't know how I feel. I don't know why I'm upset. I don't know why I'm not happy. Like, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to hear that for you, that journey wasn't, you know, uh, psychedelics or it wasn't like going to India for three years or whatever. You know, usually that's yeah. that's the journey for people. For you, it was simply breathing, uh, and that really got you there. It really did. And another thing that I see a lot, I've seen it in my own relationship, is often there's one partner who's more emotional or sensitive than the Mm -hmm. other. Maybe there's one that processes their emotions more internally and the other one is more expressive and expressive one. Okay. Yeah. Like the deep feeler, you want to talk things through. Yeah. That was me as well. And I'd be like, we need to talk like we need to talk through everything and he'd be like i need space yeah exactly I'm good. me and jacob 101 yeah. Jacob's like i don't i don't have the need to talk yet and i'm like mm-hmm. i was like no painful and one thing that's difficult in that dynamic i find is uh when you're really sensitive to the feelings of another person and they're more internal you can pick it up and you'll be like something's wrong we need to talk like what's going on you're not yeah. expressing this to me and they're like no it's not like, there's nothing wrong. I'm good. You're like, I know that there's something. I usually know what's wrong as well. I'm like, I actually feel how you feel. <laughs> yeah. And so I can tell you. <laughs> exactly. So sometimes they don't even know yeah. what they're feeling, but you know. And so what I've noticed with breath work is it's really, really helpful for clarifying what those emotions are and making it more conscious. So for the first, honestly seven years of our relationship right up until we found breath work Lucas cried I think once in front of me mm. in seven years that's a that's really very really nice and that's very common for men to like Three. not cry yeah and I said that so I was just like you can cry you know and she was like yeah I just don't feel like I'm like no but you should cry I know you're like Please feel well, not like all these layers of like that men shouldn't cry and it's so deep and I have so much empathy for men for like not feeling like they can burst into tears on a daily basis or they feel like they have to like hold it in which is so unhealthy right and so through breath work he was able to actually process his emotions better and it changed him it blows my mind and yet I've now seen it happen to hundreds of men that I've worked with women as well you know all genders sometimes we're emotionally constipated blocked numb there's so much that's been repressed and usually what I find is that there's emotions that haven't felt safe to feel and it has created like a a block in the flow and when we go into it with breath work and we start to unblock it and let those emotions out and also you can do work like I was saying the diaphragmatic release work working on the fascia getting into the body it can unlock not only the physical body, but the emotional body. Now, Lucas cries pretty often. Like, he'll cry when he's going running with inspiration. He'll cry if he's feeling a bit, like, run down and tired. And not in a way that's chaotic or, like, whoa, why would you want that? In a way where he's in touch with his emotions. Well, so he has the balance of feminine masculine. super masculine, but he also had that has that feminine side. But and we all know how good it feels to have a good cry. Right? Yeah. I feel better. Yeah. Because it's a, it's a beautiful release. But would you say that that was like the hardest moment of your relationship? Or was there anything else that you found that was like a 
Yeah. Okay. So that was one difficulty was the mismatch in our emotional sensitivity in that way. Like he's a very sensitive person, but I, he called me the emo princess <laughs> for all those years. And he's like, oh, just so emotional all the time. And that kind of allowed us to meet in a deeper way. But I think another challenge that Lucas and I went through was more of a evolutionary challenge. And this is something I think is useful to speak about. And that is, you know, when you've been together for a long time, you are becoming a different version of yourself mm -hmm. year after year. And especially if you're into self-growth, I feel like I'm a completely different person. When I was like three years ago or five years ago, like... I feel like we should commit to each other every single day. Cause yeah. It's like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So I went to see a healer, kind of like a psychic, someone that I really trust. And she said to me, this is pretty left field, but I'm just getting this feeling that you have a fear of leaving Lucas. And I was laying on this massage table and it was like being hit in the face. And I just started crying, sobbing, hyperventilating because I was so confused and yet she triggered terror in me when she said that. It was like shining a light on someone's greatest fear. Because Lucas and I had been together since I was so young, I realized that all I knew was being with him. Mm. That was my identity. We are a unit and we are here for each other forever that session with that woman sparked a two-year ego death for me how long it was difficult beyond belief um it felt like going through waves of being in like a psychedelic medicine trip for two years straight where a part of me was being ripped away and I was fighting it with my life so Basically, what happened is after that session, I started getting more and more messages coming through in my meditation practice telling me, yes, this is correct. You need to break up with Lucas. You need to step away from the relationship. And I didn't believe it. I was like, am I being influenced? Is there like some sort of psychic interference thing going on? I was in denial. Lucas knew about this the whole time. That was extremely upsetting for him. But he was doing his best to support me through it. And then I got to a stage after doing, I did a psilocybin journey. And psilocybin's just magic mushrooms. Yeah. And in that journey, I was by myself and I felt just really overwhelmed. I was like, I need to go home. And he was there and he didn't even know that I had done the psilocybin. And I walked in and I was like, I need help. This is not okay. And he, I remember I was just in this very intense state of lucid awareness. And he was like, okay, I've got you. And we went upstairs to our bedroom and he was like, just stay here. I'm going to get everything ready. And he got Palo Santo and he started clearing the energy in the room and he got blankets and cushions. And I remember... I was like, why are you doing so much? Why are you being so intense? And he looked up at me and it was as if time froze. And he was like, I was just trying to make it nice for you. And it was like in the heart. I could see all of the ways that I was judging and making him wrong for so many things that were actually innocent gestures of love for him. And we just weren't meeting. And in that same um, experience, he was sober, by the way. And he said to me, I'm in the new relationship and you're still in the old one. Ooh, wow. <laughs> and I knew that it was profoundly true and I did not know how to shift it. I felt like I was stuck. Because you were in a relationship, you basically saw him for who he was years ago and you yep. couldn't really see him for who he is, like with fresh beginner's eyes and saying like, wow, I've done all this work, stop judging me or stop treating me 
as a man that was there a year or two ago. Oh, wow. Yep. Still holding on to the resentments of like year one of our relationship, really outdated stuff that was still like subconsciously, I mean, waiting for a release, you know? And it's so very true for women that we, we still like hold our men prisoners for things they have done years and years ago. And it's because it's really hard for us to process these emotions and it's not like that we're mean but they're still within us that haven't been healed or seen or held space for and so it's still present for us and it's real but it's also like our job and our responsibility to get to a place of like how long can you just you know be in that old relationship with somebody right exactly so basically again fast forward a few months went by I think from then and I was trying to reconcile this all in my head and been like, there's got to be a way for me to heal this within the relationship. Like, can I just jump <laughs> and be there and be good? And no, it was stubborn. So I surrendered. And, you know, in ayahuasca or other sacred medicine ceremonies, one of the most important lessons that anyone who does it will tell you is you have to surrender. The more you resist, the harder it gets. Yeah. Yeah. And I was in my own version of that. So I finally did surrender. And I remember I went into the bedroom one day and I just realized I was like, today is the day. And this feels like the day of a funeral. And I told him, I am terrified. And we need to break up. Well, and we did the whole conscious uncoupling and we yes. sobbed in each other's arms and we loved each other as much as we ever did. And we were like, this is the weirdest thing because we love each other and yet we're choosing not to be together. Yeah, it sounds like me and Jacob actually. <laughs> Excruciating. I really feel for you because I know the pain. Yeah, and the and mind fog that you're in. Yeah, and yet I also feel like if there's something authentically driving you, in this unfolding then you have to trust that it's going somewhere intelligent and it's beyond what your mind can fathom um so Lucas and I we did that we believed it wholeheartedly we we let the old relationship die we made an agreement that we would keep the business and still work together and like the interview like Jacob's here I said Jacob's here and yeah just like you two we were like we are still going to collaborate. We're still going to be best friends. We're going to see where it goes and figure it out. How long did it last? Okay, so this is wild. We, the week that we broke up, we left LA to go on tour. And I think it was about 10 days into our tour, COVID lockdown hit. Our event tour got shut down and we ended up in an Airbnb together with no tour. And... I remember this like one day and I walked and we were cuddling and like we'd be kissing and doing couple things and then we'd be like wait wait stop like don't do that you can't do that and then it would be like I feel what I want to you <laughs> I don't I don't know what this is like I want to but I shouldn't what is going on and then I just got to this place where I was like no I really want to and he was like yeah I want to <laughs> And then like a COVID couple. Yeah, it was just like we merged back together and we were in the new relationship. So that was after 12 years of being together that you took a little bit of a break that was actually ended up being only 10 days. Yeah. After this big breakup and this mm -hmm. big decision. Yeah. And there was no other people. I didn't go and like date anyone or anything yeah. like that. We were together the whole time, like in the same vicinity. But did you did you believe that there was like you needed this this like ceremony this like ritual about like closing that old relationship yes. that you were in and so you actually broke up with that old oh really later and then you we just did it we ended that relationship and the other thing that happened was I saw myself as someone who could end the relationship and be and, okay oh like. Oh, you actually can have a life as your own woman. You're good. What do you want? What do you choose? And it was, I think that was a part of the magic going, oh, we don't have to be together. But as this 
woman that I am today, I choose you. Yeah, because I don't need you. I choose you. And it's super powerful. And it's also important for A, yourself to prove to yourself that you can walk away and be totally fine. Yeah. I think I needed to see that from myself. I think a big part of like limiting belief was that like, oh, I think I need Jacob for X, Y, and Z. And now I re- the last few weeks have shown me that I don't. But also for, for him to like see that you are capable of picking up your things and leave if something doesn't serve you. So it's like setting the right standard in a relationship that like I am not taking you for granted. I'm not taking myself for granted. I'm here to like do the best I can to, you know, to bring my foot forward. Oh, so true. And you know, in a long-term relationship, you can get quite complacent. And I noticed for us, there would be certain things that we'd do that were like, oh, I can do that because we've been together for so long. And like, you get away with, you won't mind. Yeah, yeah, I can get away with it. Even in that brief breakup, it was like a reset where suddenly I was like a bit shy. I'm like, okay, I should make an effort and I should think twice before I assume that he's okay with something. Because nothing is no longer taken for granted. Yeah. person was, yeah. So that's what happened with us. And that's the summarized version. But wow, it was painful. It was terrifying. It was healing. And I don't, I can't say that it's how it's going to unfold for everybody because yeah. everyone has a unique journey. But um, I think that relationships are hard. Don't yeah. let anyone tell you or convince you that it's all rainbows and butterflies. We've been together for 15 years now and it's challenging. And I learn new things about him all the time. And we're like constantly adjusting the standards and mm. the expectations of being like, I'm different to you. So don't expect me to be like you, please. Yes. And it's different because you're a woman. You're different because you're a different person. So many things that we go through life very differently just because the way we look and our biology, even having the same experiences, we just take, you know, we see the world as, as, as we are, not as it is. Yeah. Final question. So what's the number one bio? I know what you're going to say, but maybe try to say something not, not as breathing. A little unexpected. <laughs> but uh, unexpected. Yes. But I always like to say, what is the one biohack that brings you to your higher self? And if that was not breathing every day, is there anything every day that you do? Because I watch your stories and you honestly, I admire you so much for like the fucking mindset. You're so sharp focused of like, there's more out there and I'm reaching my highest potential every single day. And the way I show up every single day matters. So I'm journaling. I have my pent mat. I have my sauna. Like you're just really on it. But you're coming from such a beautiful place of like this. I'm here to reach my highest potential and I need to show up every single day. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Okay. Can I give two? Yeah, of course. Okay. Bonus. Okay. One is a mindset hack. And that is living with a beginner's mind and always being hungry for new knowledge. I think if you can live with such an open mind and assume that you know puck all, (laughs) then you're constantly curious and receptive to becoming more and more wise, successful, healthy, all of the things. And just like, don't be embarrassed to ask questions. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Like, in the pursuit of mastery, you know, one of the best things that you can do is just be hungry mm. for more knowledge. I think as soon as you get to a place where you think that you've arrived, you're probably on the yeah. downward, yeah, the decline. So stay hungry and open. Like, live your life like you don't know anything. And the other is to allow yourself to trust the divine timing mm. um i think so many people the are in it have it's 11 11 oh, oh i mean yeah it's perfect exactly and when we're trying to heal i know for me with physical healing stuff it would be like i need to heal now i need the pill the potion the cleanse the book the thing now and i want it to be over mm-hmm. and the same with career success you know relationship whatever I want the one I want the job I want the money like this end result mentality and 
I know it's cliche, but life really is a journey. And if you were, let's just try it on for a moment. If you were like orchestrating, if you were the puppet master of reality, wouldn't you want life to play out like the most beautiful movie full of unexpected twists and turns where the character gets what they want, but not in the way they expect. And it's like hard and they've got to fight for it and they've got to really dig deep within themselves. Yeah. I see life like that. And I think when we come up against hardships and friction it's so easy to go into a victim mentality and be like why is it so hard well what about like why not like dig deep in your life and trust that it's all working out for you mm, I love that I like the main character energy and just like everything is actually a movie uh where can people find you Hella? Instagram is a good place uh you can find me Hella underscore Weston or at Awaken Breathwork and you guys have your own app our app awaken breathwork in the app store and and also if you want to learn more about breathwork you facilitate uh, breathwork classes for beginners but also for those who want to become breathwork facilitators exactly and in the the dispark box the talent yes so if you want i am in there with lucas oh you guys made the course so much better thank you so much Thank you for joining me today. I love you and love you. can't wait to speak to you soon again. <laughs> Thanks for watching. Thanks for watching, fam.